0: You're listening to the Makers and Mystics Podcast. This is Season 11, Artist Roundtable, Part 2. Well, I love what you said about limitation, and that's something that I've meditated on a lot because limitation is such a vital component to the creative process, and it's, again, one of those push-pull things where, you know, the artist's temperament is to go beyond, is to go beyond the boundaries, is to press the envelope, you know, and all these things that we're given to do. But at the same time, limitation is what gives distinction. Limitation is what gives you the frame in which a a work of art can exist in. And for me, I've often made the distinction between limitation and restriction. And I see those as, as perhaps two different things. But as far as that edge and how beauty doesn't take away difficulty i think it actually enhances it in a strange way sometimes the even the tension you're talking about guitars and things like that the tension of the string the pulling in opposite directions is what gives the particular note
1: a couple of threads that i wonder if they have any connection together and this is like the fun part of having these dialogues together is like the, the cooperative exploration. Because Ted, you were talking about the way that beauty, it doesn't like eradicate or flatten out suffering. And, you know, Steven, you're talking about the necessity of artists placing, they have to work within limitations. And then John Mark, you're talking about, you know, having something worth surviving for. And So here's some threads I see connecting. You guys tell me what you think about this. So what we are trying to do and the role of an artist and a storyteller is because as humans, we are, we're fundamentally pattern hunters, you know, so we seek patterns in the world. And this is kind of like how we survive. So it is employing that, that. That survival mode, default mode, which is like, here's a pattern. If I see something slithering in the grass, it might be a snake, so I need to detect that. Mm. You know, this is how science works: is we detect patterns and see if those patterns are repeatable. And so, one of the things that I wonder is the way that artists, in their longing for transcendence, help us to see beyond the way we are framing our problems and their resolutions. So one, um, one analogy, and I'm I'm stealing this from John Verveke, uh, cognitive scientist, University of Toronto, is he talks about the nine dot problem. And maybe you've seen the nine dot problem before. You have three rows of three dots. And the goal is you have to, you have to connect um, using only, I believe it's only three straight lines, it might be four, three or four straight lines, you have to be able to connect and make all the dots get intersected by only using straight lines. The problem that we encounter is usually when you see that laid out on a piece of paper, it's shaped like a square. And so you're automatically framing that in terms of like, I have to stay in between the lines. And if you stay in between these like imaginary square lines that you see in the paper, you can never connect all the dots. But if somebody just tells you like, hey, think outside of the box, that's it might be like an encouraging nudge, but it's also not entirely helpful. And artists hear that sort of stuff all the time as like really bad cliched advice. Well, think outside of the box. And the, But the truth is there is some sort of like framing limitation happening. And so what the artist does is they throw in the thought, well, maybe there's more to this than the framing that we're looking at to try to figure out this pattern. They're the ones that can maybe see beyond and go, here's what you actually need to do to solve the night out problem is that imaginary square that you've been placing on this, it doesn't exist and you actually have to move slightly outside of it. And as soon as you do that, you can connect. All nine of those dots it's amazing but I didn't see that until someone else showed it to me I couldn't see it I've sat down with that nine dot problem and I was like I can't figure this out but it it took like a profit in some sense to say no you have to go beyond but that is like the sort of limitation thing that you're talking about Stephen. there you couldn't say like well it's just think outside of the box you know your next step would be like okay can I move slightly outside of this frame but bumping up against that is still bumping up against a limitation and there's when we're talking not just about a like a math or a geometry experiment we're talking about life like the nine dot problems of life where people keep going let's talk about marriage and it's like someone keeps brushing up against an ish, an issue that keeps reoccurring in their marriage and maybe like a film or some story that an artist makes helps them go oh my goodness i see my story in this and now they've offered me like a glimpse into reframing it and um and so i i see some connection between that cuz our our ultimate like you're talking about John Mark we're after we've got this default survival mode and that's the thing that's looking for patterns and the artist goes through a degree of suffering to go All right, I'm going to take a risk here and move beyond the pattern to helpfully help us see a new solution that might increase our meaning. It might decrease someone else's suffering. So like scientists and artists aren't that different in that sense. You know, my father-in-law is a medical inventor and uh, he's invented things that have been used in pacemakers, in cochlear implants that help people hear. Um, And he's not a musician. He plays the bass a little bit. But the way he thinks is oftentimes very much like an artist. Like He's seeing beyond the framing. And he's willing to risk and to sweat and to try to push beyond that to find a new solution that would add to the flourishing of someone else's life. I see artists doing similar things. And now that flourishing makes the surviving more worth living for. I mean, my dream now as an artist versus my
2: dream when i was younger is that i want to play a show where i repackage your life and sell it back to you (laughs) you know like i when i was younger and it's fine it's not like younger versus older but this is just my journey when i was younger and this was fine too i feel like i was packaging my life and trying to sell my life to you and i realized that's not really what the artist actually does they do that maybe as a little bit of a trick as a sleight of hand but what the artist is really doing is selling your life back to you is can i somehow help you see your life in a in a different way can i help you see your kids as a miracle and not as just these little problems that keep like crapping themselves and eating all your food and spending all your money and. Tearing the paint off the walls in <laughs> your house and drawing on your furniture with markers. You know, maybe the, those marker stains on your furniture are actually the real valuable thing you have in your house. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean, John. because yeah. that's a framing issue. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> like people are misframing the story. Yeah. Huh. I'm going to remember that next time my kids destroy
0: something.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I had this story. Okay, let me tell this story. I've told it a couple of times, but I've never told it here. As I remember moving some stuff around in my house, and I came across this Sharpie all over this, I guess it's back behind a couch or something. There's some sort of like Sharpie scribble, like a big nasty one. And I looked at it, and looking at just knowing kind of where it was as far as how high it was off the floor, location-wise where it was, I realized this is an older work for this artist right (laughs) this is a this is an older piece right and it just filled me with joy and brought tears to my eyes right because i was looking at a window that little person is still with me they're just a big person now and that was a time of life where i had this You know we have a new connection which is beautiful you know you you know your kids you you keep this connection and the connection evolves as you grow and it's beautiful it's wonderful but that little connection i had when they were like two and a half three that's moved and grown into something else so i've got this window to the past but i thought how funny is it that that same thing would have incited it wouldn't you know years ago would incite rage in me Mm -hmm. and at this time it makes me cry and it blesses my heart. And I'm so glad I had this scribble, the Sharpie scribble on my wall, because it was a connection mm-hmm. to this little person that was no longer in my life the way they used to be. So check this
0: out then, in a but sense- But nothing changed. Yeah, but in a sense, you transcended the moment.
2: Exactly.
0: You know, And that enabled you to see from a different perspective, which which led to a renewed perspective.
2: Well, I had transcended because the time had actually passed, but it made me think: Could I live? Could I have? Could I become the type of person who saw that instead of Mm -hmm. feeling the rage? Yeah, I could look to the future and transcend and see that that was actually um, also something that could bring
1: me joy. That's really good. Could a voice from the future have told you that, and you received it? Yeah. So for me, like one of the pieces of art that did that for me was. Terrence Malick's *Tree of Life*. When I saw that in 2010 or whenever it came out, I needed a frame disruption because I was not seeing the significance. He did the the, thi- the thing I was talking about earlier about telescopes and microscopes. He does that so well, right? And he especially did that so well in *Tree of Life*, tying some little story of you know one little family to some cosmic you know, it's incredible. And I needed the frame disruption. Like I, I, for me, that was almost like somebody from the future telling me you're missing these moments with your kids. You're missing them. You're not seeing that they're pregnant with so much of God's presence and so much significance. And so thankfully that artist was able to disrupt my frame and enough to produce in me metanoia mm-hmm. repentance mm-hmm. like i actually weeped through that and repented not didn't come out of it like a perfect parent but it definitely changed something mm-hmm. in me so it was like the artist in that sense was a was a voice for my own future which i can now look back and go yeah. man i'm so glad i didn't keep living in that mode which was all like ministry yeah. conferences big 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 and then you know i don't know what i'm doing with the vast majority of my day with my kids and my wife
0: yeah you know i think to just along that this is a very important point that i'd love to make is just that i think that what that speaks to is that transcendence is not just about the heightened experience of it itself but it's about the transformation that it brings back to our everyday lives it's not just about having this larger than life encounter But it's about the transformation these things bring back to our everyday life, you know? Well, I want to bring up one last thought for us to consider as we're talking through transcendence and these different aspects on it. But lately, I have found myself revisiting the book of Ecclesiastes. And this might seem like a strange book, to revisit in the midst of a conversation on transcendence, but somehow it is making so much sense to me that this book belongs in the midst of a conversational transcendence. And, you know, you've, you've got this guy who is basically concluding that all of life is meaningless. And no matter what angle, no matter what turn he takes, all of life is meaningless. He has explored pleasure. He has explored wealth. He has explored fame. He has explored, you know, satisfying every whim and need that he has. And after all of that, he concludes life is meaningless. And what this began to churn up inside of me is I began to think like, well, in one sense, that looks like nihilism. Uh, On one sense, that looks like, well, there's just no meaning in life but then it led me also to the place of of saying maybe something more that cs lewis would have agreed with me on but you know if you find yourself with a longing that nothing in earth can satisfy maybe it's pointing to the fact that you were made for something else you know that there is a longing for something beyond the earth's ability to satisfy that's that's inherently inside of who we are as human beings and so I would love to hear you guys speak into that a little bit about how meaninglessness and yet the longing for something greater than an earthly satisfaction how how does that play out in your own life and and what are some of your thoughts when I bring that topic up
3: So here's what's kind of interesting I've been like thinking about this our whole conversation I've just been sort of thinking about the temporality of beauty how uh things like appear to us one way in one point in our life and then to like john Mark's point you move the couch and you see something and the the biggest difference between between your in your reaction was time you know it was this and you will recall that the the teacher says in ecclesiastes god makes everything beautiful in his time right? <laughs> yes. And so, w- one thing I wonder about is, I just wonder about uh, if the teacher had a sequel, what would he have said? And I do think that that's something we should pay attention to. We should pay attention to the way that time, like beauty is not temporal. you know, it's, it exists uh, within a space, in a time, and we can see things differently. We can look at oh man, gosh, we can look at, we can, this is why it's worth going to the Art Institute over and over and over again. Because it will strike you differently. Um, because your life, also the teacher says, your life will go through a series of seasons. You know, sometimes your life will feel really full and sometimes it will feel devastatingly empty. You just kind of don't know what you need. Um, he's just like, relax. That's just the way that it works. And I guess I I, I have wondered about why it is that we value the present moment of an experience of an artifact and why we while we are like man i wish that in that present moment i could make my whole life this way and while we don't think about memory or reminiscence as like equally beautiful and as equally helpful and meaningful so that's the thing that comes up for me
1: that's so good ted ecclesiastes is one is probably my favorite book oh yeah of the old testament if not the entirety <laughs> of the canon of scripture i have a
0: new love for it opening up in this season it's just pretty
1: amazing i could talk for hours about it (laughs) but i won't but i want to say something about what ted says is saying here and to see ecclesiastes as situated in a conversation about wisdom that the other wisdom books of the old testament are having and to set ecclesiastes side by side with something like proverbs or psalms which the the wisdom of Proverbs is primarily if you do this, if you sacrifice some of your now, you can ensure a better future, right? So this is, the, this is like the ancient retribution principle. Give up, sacrifice some of your now, and for many of Israel's ancient Near Eastern neighbors, the gods will bless you with a better future. In Israel's covenant, it's like you need to give up some of your now to get the future that God secured for you. And that's really an important part about, uh, of wisdom. You know, we really do need to save money and to plan for retirement and to have car insurance and all that sort of stuff. So you put that, though, if you make that the only conversation about wisdom, you miss out on the other facets of wisdom. And that's where books like Ecclesiastes and Job enter the dialogue, where the teacher of Ecclesiastes goes, what What good is it if you sacrifice all of your now for a future that never even comes? (laughs) So we need to put this intention with the sense that, yes, it is part of wisdom to say, I need to give up some of my now for a more beautiful future. But the teacher comes in and goes, like, eat, drink, and be merry. you know like there's something in the moments in front of us that we don't want to give all of them for it's unwise to sacrifice all of your now for the future because you don't know what the future holds so we need to hold both of these intention right you could throw job into that conversation too job has lived a perfectly righteous life he is an archetype for the most righteous person you could ever imagine and yet Job's life doesn't work out like you do all things right and you're going to get that outcome So Ecclesiastes I see sitting in that dialogue and exactly what you're saying Ted it's about temporality It's about how do we live properly In moments and so if we neglect Ecclesiastes and neglect Proverbs You don't want to throw Proverbs out and be like yeah life is meaningless It's not You know, like save for your retirement. That would be wise. Have car insurance and health insurance. That would be wise. And that's going to cost you some of your now for a future that might never come. Hopefully, I never need my car insurance, but I do need to prepare for it. Ecclesiastes goes, you can't waste all of your now for the future because right now is a gift. Mm. I have this
2: friend who, when he was a kid, he loved Legos. And he got this special Lego kit for Christmas or something, and he put it all together. But and it came with stickers to put, and he was like, "I'm gonna say, I'm gonna wait for a special time to put the stickers on." And not long ago, as an adult, he was going through his parents' house, I guess their attic, or helping them clean out stuff, and he came across that exact Lego set, and he had never put the stickers (laughs) on the Legos. Wow! (laughs) (laughs) And he realized, like, I, I was always waiting for the right moment to put the stickers on and i never did and now i'm a grown-up and so i'm not going to get down and put stickers on my legos (laughs) but there is you're right i feel like there are times in my life where i want to control all the outcomes Mm -hmm. and some and and you and i feel like you do need to have the balance where you like i mean i got to go to the gym you know i gotta i gotta not eat too many hamburgers it'll have a bad influence on the future but you also you don't really get to control that either so every now and then you got to peel the stickers off the Legos mm-hmm. yeah that's good. Every now and then you got to cash a little bit of life
1: in on living yes you can toss this out if you want Stephen don't even keep this part but the, the one thing I do want to say about that is I, I was picturing as John Mark was talking about those Legos and the stickers I, I was I was picturing Mary in the alabaster jar poured on Jesus's feet. And that was worth a year's worth of wages. And so it was the proper response in that moment to waste it all because it was the proper use of attention. Mm -hmm. And to what we give our attention to, there's no higher form of worship than attention. Isn't that, you know, isn't that um, Simone Veil, right? Like unmixed attention.
3: Yeah, it is Simone Veil, yeah. That's right, and so
1: that's that's where we move into like discernment, following the Spirit. We we'll get charismatic here <laughs> with you guys, but it's just good company to do it. Um, it. Discernment as to what is this the proper moment to pour out all of that alabaster in unmixed attention and worship, and um, I think if we are fearful of loss if we're fearful of that then i do think we miss out what did jesus say her story is going to be known mm-hmm. right i'm paraphrasing slightly but people are going to be telling her story forever a beautiful story what a waste mm-hmm. like an absolute waste that's that was this perspective of others what a waste you're like yep mm-hmm. it was <laughs> god the other beautiful
2: or I hesitate to use the word beautiful, but touching part is that some people believe that she was uh, maybe a prostitute, you know, and that she had earned that money by being abused. Mm. Right? If it was a year's wages, and that was her the way she earned it, she was it's, it's a year, it's a it was a lifetime of abuse in that jar. Wow. And for that to be the moment where she just, you know, and I think we allow the, it's very easy to allow the um, pain and loss, m- maybe like you're saying, Paul, to keep us from recognizing those moments.
3: Yeah, here's the other thing that my friend Adam Russell likes to say about that episode. Um, remember that she used her hair. And so it's is being poured out. Um, that's the thing about extravagant, wasteful, whatever. I mean like the thing that we pour out it gets on us too and I think that's the thing that I love maybe the most about that episode not just that it was the proper anointing of burial but that she she took her hair that's so good
0: friends thank you so much for joining me on the Makers of Mystics podcast this has been an incredible conversation that's where you reply
3: so good to have so good to be here with all you guys
0: let's all reply at
2: the same time so nobody understands i love it i always love it i probably talk too much i just get inspired by you three there's this group here you three people are some of the most inspiring human beings i know that i always oh dude we could
1: do a whole season of conversations oh man (laughs) totally Oh, man, here's your podcast, John Mark, is just take <laughs> take this and do it. Take this, rinse and repeat. That's right.
0: Thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. If you've been inspired by this podcast, I want to invite you to become a monthly patron and help us continue offering these conversations to the world. Makers and Mystics is an independent, self-funded, and patron-funded endeavor. That means your generosity enables us to keep creating. Our patrons receive exclusive interview segments, participation in our online book clubs, and opportunities to connect with other like-minded artists from around the world. You can see the show notes of this episode or visit patreon.com slash makersandmystics to learn more. We'll see you again next week, my friends. And until then, keep creating. The world needs your art.